It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape and get anything done that needs to be done and do it in very pleasant working conditions. 64 degrees outside right now on our thermometer, and it will be a very pleasant afternoon, I think. Up into the low 80s this afternoon, you heard the forecast just a minute ago. Just the perfect time to get in, get out, get in, get out, and not be just, you know, heat bother you like it does during the rest of the summertime. 404-872-0750 gets you in to ask garden questions and you can ask anything you want to about plants, trees, shrubs, flowers, pests, anything that's just on your mind right now that you need a question answered and I'm here to help because I do it too. I'm the same guy who's outside with neighbors waving at neighbors and digging holes and mulching things in my garden. I'm doing the same thing you're doing. And if you have questions about what to do to make it right and how to do it to make it a little easier to get done, then that's what you can do is call 404-872-0750. It's actually a week full of pruning and mulching is mostly what I did this week. I planted a couple of plants because I went to Pike a couple, three times this week to pick up more chips and pick up a couple more plants that needed to fill a hole that... I didn't, well, the plant that I put there didn't really survive very well, so I just took it out and put something else in its place. But for a lot of the week, it seemed like every day, I would get my mulching implements, my pruners and my loppers and my tree saw, and go around my landscape. And I have close to an acre to play with and to look after, make sure everything's working right. But I went around the landscape doing what I call get-it-out-of-my-face pruning. You know what that is. Get it out of my face because you walk down a path and there's something with a limb that's hanging down in your face. Get it out of my face. <laughs> Cut it off. And the rest, this is a time of year that you still can do pruning. You're not going to do much damage to plants as long as you remove less than, uh, less than 25% maybe of the foliage. And that wasn't nearly what I was going to do. But there was a, there's an oak leaf hydrangea over a path in the backyard. And one of them was flapping me in the face. <laughs> They're gone. Get it out of here. A couple of trees had... Uh, gotten lower limbs. The limbs had gotten a lot of weight on them during the rainstorms we had a couple times this week, and so the limbs were sort of lower down. They're back in my in my face, in my place, and so cut them off, cut them off. We don't need those limbs here and get those limbs out. One particular plant, the stewardia that I have in the backyard, had a long limb that had gotten a lot of rain on it, lots of leaves on it, so it got a lot of rain on it, and the weight had pulled the limb down, and it was I guess originally about five or six feet above the ground, and when I saw it earlier in the week, it was about two feet off the ground because it just bent over, very elastic and stretchy limb there. And so I uh, made sure that that one got, well, I pruned it first, and that raised it by about uh, a foot or so. It's still way too low, close to the ground. And so although this is not something that works in every case, in this case, I thought, well, if I get some of my nylon belting, and I went online about a year ago, I guess now, got a roll of nylon belting, I call it. It's about an inch wide, and I think it's 100 feet in the roll. And so I took the nylon belting, tied one end around the limb that was drooping, and tied the other end way up in the top of the tree, about 12 feet up, 
so that it could pull the limb upwards and so sort of bring the limb up into place and get it out of the path and that was what I did to do that tree. Now the limb itself probably never would recover on its own. It's always going to be about a foot or so off the ground but by pulling it up with my, with my nylon belting I got it out of the way. The belting will stay in place for I guess as long as the tree is there and that's how I would correct that little problem in uh, in the garden in the backyard by the path. And the other thing, mulching, mulching, mulching. I don't use any pine straw anymore. I just got tired of messing with the bales of pine straw. So now I use bags of chips, either mini chips or the big, big landscape chips. And I usually use mini chips. I think the mini chips are just for me easier to put around plants. They don't knock the plant over when they're little um, seedlings in the ground. And so I use mini chips. I must have used 10 bags, I guess, of mini chips, putting around the plants that I'd already put in the ground and making sure that everything got a little mulch before it gets so hot and dry during the summertime that my plants uh, have a real problem with that. Again, 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Our friend Nicole from Griffin, Georgia joins us this morning. Hey, Nicole. Miss Arif. Hey, Miss Nicole. What's going on? I, will, I was thinking about you this week. I said, oh, I need this father because my stuff is flopping over. Yeah. And I know your father was champion with privet. Well, he had a lot of privet, and we still have a lot of privet on the old farm home place, and it just never got eliminated as much as he would like. Yeah, I have those uh, glad that fall over because they're yeah. top heavy, and yeah. I have a big dahlia that I would just break my heart because it was all the way to the ground. Now, <laughs> now, listeners right now are wondering, well, why do you need my dad? Why do you need privet? What were you doing with the privet, Nicole? Well, you see, your father was champion about making all this stuff so the stuff wouldn't fall off. Yeah. So I was thinking, I said, we need your father to find us some privet and this stuff right back up yeah that's exactly what we would do we'd cut pieces of privet about two and a half or three feet long little thin pieces only about as big as a pencil and stick them in the ground next to plants that needed a little help in keeping themselves supported and if we were lucky the privet did that job and if we're unlucky the privet rooted in the ground and we had another patch of privet to deal with up in the garden usually it would not root in the ground only one or two times do i remember it would root um, in the ground just where you stuck it in. Privet is remarkable in that case. It's able to, to reproduce itself and root itself without a whole lot of interference from us. Well, I went to a farmer market and I saw this privet, this yellow privet, and I said, yeah, 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 yellow privet. I've got a, a, a variegated privet hedge near my house, Nicole, that over the past, I guess, 10 years, it has gradually reverted from the variegated privet, which we all recognize, just variegated white and green on the leaves, and it's reverted back to its green parent. And so easily, three-quarters of this hedge that used to be all variegated leaves, white and green, white and green everywhere, is now almost three-quarters of it is solid green because it's reverted. It goes back to what its parents were originally. And that's sort of interesting just to see and follow that as I do a lot of plants in the neighborhood that I use for my my reference plants of how they're behaving. Although I don't want any privet in my yard, but other people have privet in their yard, and so that's what I monitor. Mr. Reeve, you don't have room for grapes, do you? No. I thought I did, but Nicole, you and I both know how fast and how big a grapevine can grow, and so no, 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 we do not have enough room for grapes. Well, I have four that I don't know what I'm going to do with because they came <laughs> back from last year, and I said, <laughs> got to find somebody to give it to. I always give four of them, you know. But anyway, my question was about, um, I have a lot of stuff that comes in, like parsley, yeah. go up in seed, and yeah. radishes. So I want to keep my own seed. 
So um, because I like the smell of parsley, I cut the long stem, yeah. and then I tie them, and I put them backward. I put a plate on the knee to pick up the seeds. Yeah. Then I remember 30 years ago, I was going to California, and I saw those fields full of flowers, and I was saying to myself, those are trials, you know. Uh-huh. Well, how do they pick up the seed? Huh. So what's the question, Nicole? Well, do they pick up the seeds? I don't know. I think they pick up the seeds. It doesn't take many seeds to plant an acre of parsley or arugula or even for that matter beans and corn and things like that. And so you can get as many, you can get maybe a couple of pounds of seed for or parsley, let's say, and you can spread that over, gosh, an acre or two. You've got lots and lots of parsley, but you only have to save seeds from 10 or 15 or 20 maybe plants that are in your little nurse bed that you save seeds from. So seeds, you know, you have a lot of leftover seed in that case. You don't have to uh, do anything with the leftover seed other than cut it down, or if the parsley is gone to seed, you just plow it under. Because uh, in California, those flower, I never stop because I couldn't. But I know they, that's the whole purpose, to go up and seed so they can put in those packets exactly. and sell it exactly. to us. Exactly, exactly. I was thinking, how oh, do they pick up the, the seed air? Do they fall off? They yeah, have a machine to oh, people pick up by hand? Probably they know exactly the stage on the plant at which the seeds are mature enough to be clipped off of the plant. So they take a big, usually seed head. It happens on a lot of vegetables and fruits and things. You have a, if, or flowers, I should say. If you have a seed head that has 20, 30, 50 maybe seeds on it, and so they just put a ribbon around that plant and say, this is the one we're going to keep for seed, and they wait until the seed is just about to fall to the ground and clip it off with a pruner, put it in a paper bag, leave it to dry a little bit further, and all of a sudden you have a paper bag with 30 maybe flower seeds in it. So I think it's all made by hand. Imagine all this work. That is a lot of work. You're right. But just going to the store and buying a packet of seeds, you have no real idea of how much work it took to get that packet of seeds that is viable, that will sprout for you, that will be successful. But it does take a lot of work. People in the, in the nursery industry have to do a lot of things right to get the seeds to you in that little seed packet. I think our own seed are more vi- viable, mm-hmm. you know, than the ones we buy in the store because we don't know how long they've been Maybe, there. Maybe, sometimes, but the ones in the store usually are labeled and they say packed for 2015, packed for planting in spring of 2015. And so those seeds are, as far as I know, and many of them are sealed in little bitty gel packets inside the big paper packet. And so they are tested to make sure they can germinate at a 90 or 95% rate. And so that's what you get. You get a nice tested seed, whereas the ones that you grow at your house or collect from your plants at your house may or may not be perfectly ready to be, to be harvested and, uh, and planted in the garden. And all, all the seeds are like, isn't it? Because some of them only take two years before they can Yeah, clear. Yeah, and some plants are biennial and take two years to do, and so you have to wait two years to get a good crop of seed. Nicole, I'm looking at the clock, and I know I need to go. It's great talking to you again. Enjoy your night. Enjoy my night. This morning is almost light outside, so it's almost the day. Coming up on a Saturday morning. Thanks for calling, Nicole. We'll see you soon. Bye. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need.
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. This is going to be a great gardening weekend. We're going to have partly cloudy skies all day long. 10% chance of a stray shower here and there. Highs peaking in the mid-80s this afternoon. Overnight still about the same. Partly cloudy skies. Chance of a shower goes up to about 20% tonight. And overnight temperatures go down into the mid, let's call them mid-60s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Marshall is out in Concord, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Marshall, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fabulous. How can I help, Marshall? Uh, I planted, I've got three tomato plants that I've planted in, in pots. I guess maybe six-gallon pots. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, a parts whopper, a beef master, and a beef steak. But my beef master, the other two look great, but my beef master, all the leaves are starting to wilt. Ooh. And they've got a little discoloration on the end. Yeah. And I don't... Uh, I don't have any idea. With the other two looking fine, I don't. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, seems to be, you know, I see the miracle grow yeah. uh, about once every seven days. Have but the leaves, that, me, Marshall? Let me interrupt to say: Have the leaves changed color at all, or are they still sort of the same green as the rest of the healthy plants? But the ones on the wilted plant are still, are just wilted, but they're still green. Yes, sir, they're wilted, but just like some of the very ends are starting to get a little discoloration to them, but other than that, that's, uh, that's about it. You know, a lot of times when you go to the doctor and he's not exactly sure what you have, they'll say, well, you know, take an aspirin and get back with me a couple of weeks from now and let's see what goes on. And I can't think of anything early, not anything early in the life of a tomato plant that would cause it to wilt other than some obvious things like you, know, you plant it in a pot that doesn't drain and so it's full of water and so it has root rot or something like that, but you would have noticed that already. So yeah. I think I'm going to diagnose it as we don't know yet, Marshall, but in two okay. weeks we'll probably know more. So give me a call in a couple of weeks and we'll see what's going on because I can't think of anything, again, obvious that would cause yeah. it to wilt like that. Well, they seem to be they seem to be blooming fine and, you know, it's just and it's, the growth is a little stunted yeah. compared to the other two, so I don't, you know, I don't know. We'll Mid-June, <laughs> mid let's make a date. Let's meet again in mid-June. We'll report and find out what's going on, Marshall. Thanks for calling, my friend. We'll be back at 628, and we'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 635 and 62 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape and answer all of your gardening questions. And we'll try to get to them as quick as we can this morning. First in line, Carrie is in Douglasville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Carrie, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine. How can I help, Carrie? Well, we just bought a house back in December, and on one side of our house, I have wisteria that is taking over that end of the yard. Right. And I want to know how to kill it. Carry, carry, carry. <laughs> this is going to be a long process. Bottom line, wisteria is one of the best plants in the world at being able to propagate itself in ways that you don't expect. And one spraying or one you know, topical thing that you do to it is not nearly going to be enough. With wisteria, it is always 
thinking about how is Carrie going to hurt me next and how can I get ahead of her? And so what happens with wisteria, even if you cut it down to the ground, which is my first advice to you is cut it down to the ground, for the next year or two, there are going to be sprouts of wisteria popping up in your lawn, popping up in your garden, popping up in the landscape, because all those roots that have spread out over the last several years have, uh, have uh, spread to far reaches, and they think they're going to sprout up and be new wisteria vines over there. And so honestly, here's what I would do. Number one, cut the vine down at its base. And after you cut it, immediately after you cut it, pour a little bit of undiluted Roundup and wipe it around with a rag or a stick or something like that. So the top of the stump is covered in Roundup. It will absorb some of that Roundup and take it back to some portion of the root system on the wisteria. Still, you're going to have sprouts coming up in late summer this year and spring certainly of next year. Every sprout that you see, either cut it off to the ground or spray it with one of the broadleaf herbicides like Roundup, like Weed Be Gone, like one of those that kills a lot of broadleaf plants. And just keep doing that. I mean, honestly, it's all about persistence. All you have to do is be persistent about cutting back the wisteria so that it doesn't have any sprouts that live very long without you coming out and whacking them back or spraying them with poison. If you can do that for... And Carrie, I hate to say this, if you do that for two or three, probably years, eventually you'll get the wisteria under control. But if you just you know, cut it down this year and don't do anything about the sprouts that come up, you'll have a problem that is multiplied in the next couple of years. And you don't want that. So bottom line, cut it down, put the roundup on the stump. Let's see what happens. But don't let it grow any leaves for any length of time because those leaves are what give it the strength to continue thinking about what they can do to get around Carrie's attempt to kill them. So that basically is it. Kill wisteria, but do it with a lot of patience mixed in with it. It'll take at least three years, Carrie. Coming up now, we got, uh, let's see, Ricky is out in Snellville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Ricky, hey, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you doing today? I'm all right. What's going on? Hey, I got a question. I have a, a, a peach tree I planted three years ago. Last year, I got a lot of peach on it. This year, I didn't even get a bud. Ooh. Does it have leaves? I mean, it's still alive? Yes, and it, it's growing very, very tall. It's, it's growing very healthy. Hmm. One theory, when I see a tree that I would expect to have flowers, and peaches were blooming, uh, it's been a month and a half ago now, I guess, but if when the blooms came out, there was a really, really heavy rainstorm or maybe just a frost overnight, it's possible that the, the bloom buds just got knocked off or water got in them or got frozen or something like that. So my guess is that's what went on for you. Well, I also have two pear trees, and one pear tree is loaded with pears, and the other pear tree is nothing. Get out. Are they the same variety of pear? Yes. Wow. Interesting control and compare, I guess, there, Ricky, but yeah, I have no I mean, idea why that would be that way. And the, and the plum tree, nothing. Yeah, the plum's more akin to the peach than it is to the pear, so again, that's one I'm going to okay, say it got drowned or it got frozen or something like that. Uh, uh, uh. Well, all I can say, Ricky, is next year hopefully will be better. Keep them in health okay. this year. Don't let the uh, drought during the summertime affect them at all. Water um, and do that. That's the best you can do. Sometimes you just can't make a tree do exactly what you want it to do. You give it the best environment you can and let nature take its course. Okay, now should I, should I prune them down? I, I mean, I, it's been three years, and, and it's probably about 12 foot tall now. Hmm. If you were a 
peach farmer and you had a hundred or a thousand maybe peach trees, there are methods of pruning that make it a little bit more productive. But honestly, for a homeowner, generally speaking, I just say don't worry about pruning perfectly. Just leave them alone. Let them have a lot of leaves. That's what a plant needs. A fruiting, fruiting tree needs a lot of leaves to absorb sunshine to make sure to go into the fruit. And if they're not going into the fruit, which yours doesn't have any fruit on it right now, it'll go into making new leaves. And that's okay. If it's one limb is too low, of course, you can cut that down like I do. But I think right now your focus is just on making the tree healthy, giving it all the environment it needs during the summer. We'll see what happens next year. Okay, thank you. All right, Rick. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. 404-872-0750. The number you can call if you have a question about guarding Debbie is in Stockbridge, and she's got a problem. Hey, Debbie, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you? I'm fine. What happened? Um, when I uh, trimmed my crepe myrtle in February, I think I cut it, uh, one of the branches a little too deep. Anyway, long story short, the, um, some leaves came out, they died. Now I've got a bunch of sprouts coming out from the bottom. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering, um, the, the main part of the tree, it's just a small one, it's probably about four or five feet tall. It's going to die. Yeah. Um, but which one of the sprouts at the bottom, or should I let several of them grow? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. The part that's dead, the old part that somehow died for reasons unknown, that needs to be cut out as carefully as you can so it doesn't hurt the little sprouts. But of the little sprouts down low, I would probably leave eh, three, maybe cut all the ones that are horizontal. We don't want those because they're not vertical. So cut all the horizontal ones first, leaving about three nice vertical trunks. And then just keep an eye on them and buy the end of June, mid-July, you should see one of them sort of sprouting above the rest. That's the strongest one. That's the one that has the best connection to the root system, and you can take away the other two or three that you have left and leave one. Sometimes if they're real close together, I might have two together, but you basically wait for selection and natural processes to figure out which one you're going to keep. Okie doke, sounds good. So it'll work, and and it will be astounding how fast the crepe myrtle sprouts grow because they have this enormous root system compared to the sprout size, and so the roots are just pounding, just filling it full of good sugars that say, make more leaves, grow another foot tomorrow, and you know make Debbie happy. And so bottom line, once you have selected one of them out of the five or six you have right now, wow, it's going to go fast. You will have a full-size crepe myrtle, I would guess, in about a year and a half by the end of next summer. You'll have a crepe myrtle who will never even remember what Debbie did to it or whatever caused the uh, death of that original original oh, trunk. Oh, well, great. Thank you. It'll come. Thanks for calling, Debbie. Oh, bye. 42 minutes past the hour gives Allison her turn. Allison, join us on Lawn and Garden. Allison. Good morning. How there are you, Walter? Hey, Allison. I'm fine. How can I help? Uh, I have a couple of questions about... Uh, bushes and trees and pruning them. Okay. Uh, the first one is a star magnolia that is probably about 12 feet tall, and it looks more like a bush. The limbs go all the way down to the ground. Yeah. And I'm wondering if I should prune that and get those limbs up so it's got a, a trunk that shows and, and look more like a tree. If you want to, if you think that's the way you want it to look in your landscape, there's nothing wrong with cutting off the low limbs now. I mean, I would do it now rather than waiting till August or sometime because it blooms on on limbs that grew this year. So you want to have okay. a lot of limbs growing this year. Cut off the ones you don't like. Give it the trunk if you think that's a good thing to do, but do it between now and the end of June. Okay. All right. And the next one is a tea olive that has just gotten completely out of control. Right. 
it's about 25 feet tall. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> My grandson said, is that a tree or a bush? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how Grandma prunes it, son. Yeah, go well, here. Grandma hasn't pruned it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Here, take these loppers, son, grandson. Let's go out and yeah. prune this thing together. Sure. So what do you need to know about it? Well, I need to know uh, if I want to prune it, How? what's the best way to get it down to a more manageable size? You know, it's, again, one of those things that if you get it done between now and the end of June, you're fine, and you can make it into whatever shape you want. Um, I think my general rule of thumb for pruning things during the growing season, Allison, is you can remove 25% of the leaves without really harming the plant. The plant can recover from 25% removal of the foliage. No problem there. If you're removing half the foliage now in the early part of the spring, it's a little more chance that you might give it some ideas we don't want it to have. So 25%, you and the grandson get out and get it done. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thank Thanks. you. You bet, Allison. Thanks Love for calling. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Pat is in Lawrenceville and has cherry tomatoes with uh, question marks all over them right now. <laughs> hey, Pat. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm all right. What can I do for you? Uh, cherry tomatoes, they regenerated from some that I purchased last year, just yeah. plain old cherry tomatoes from Lowe's. Um, they grew, they grew, they grew, and they grew, and they grew. I had to build a 12-foot-tall <laughs> scaffolding, 12 feet. Wow. Um, so the ones that have regenerated this year, they are already on a growth rate that seems to be at the same or, or greater. <laughs> I, I measure, I've, I've already got trellis on them, and I marked it just because, I'm astounded by how fast they're growing, and it's averaging about an inch a day. Good gracious. Last week, it was six and a half inches in height that it grew. My question is, is this, I mean, there are, they're, they're a month old. I put them in on the 30th of April, and they're already over four feet tall. Right. Um, is this normal? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or is there, should I just, I mean, I, I, it, it outgrew my, yeah. my ladder. I had a six-foot ladder, and I've stood on top of the ladder, and I couldn't build any trellis any higher, and and I couldn't harvest any more. And I mean, if I mean, bottom I, line, Pat, I think you need to sharpen your carpenter skills because you're going to need it to build another trellis ten feet tall. You can now listen to me. You can pinch out the tips of this tomato when it gets to four, five, maybe six feet tall, and if you pinch out the growing tip. Many times it'll send out two or three horizontal branches, which won't be reaching for the sky still. So that's what most folks would do in your situation is to is to pinch out the tip. It really doesn't affect the yield of the tomato particularly much. If you pinch out the tip, it'll delay the fruiting just by a tiny amount, a couple, three days maybe. And so you can pinch it out if you want to. Um, and if you want to just see how high it'll go and whether it'll be big enough for you to climb up to the sky and see the giant steal the goose's egg and all that stuff we had in the Jack and the Beanstalk or Pat's Jack and the Tomato Stalk uh, story, you could do that too. Um, but right. just what, in my observation, a lot of cherry tomatoes are what's called indeterminate, which means they grow and they grow and they grow from the day you plant it until the day the frost comes and freezes them down. And so indeterminate tomatoes are indeed more like a vine than a bush, and they want to grow as high as they can, get up close to the sun, and they'll make a bunch of cherry tomatoes. But, of course, if they're 10 feet above your head, Pat, you're not going to be able to harvest them very well. So, you know, do what you want to do. What I would do, I think, is to pinch them out when they get about five or six feet tall and get and a trellis that supports them for that for that size and height 
Excellent, sir. I just want to make sure I wasn't going to make them mad and they would stop giving tomatoes. <laughs> I think they will not be mad. If you keep them happy and give them a lot of sunshine, tomatoes, you're going to get bunches and bunches of tomatoes. That is for sure. Thanks for calling, Pat. We've got to get out of here. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be a great gardening weekend. Temperatures in the... Let's call it the mid-80s this afternoon. Not much chance of rain at all overnight. It goes down to about the mid-60s, and we'll have a beautiful day today and tomorrow. A little bit more chance of a rain tomorrow if you are planning your weekend. For a full weekend forecast, it comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And next weekend begins the Penny McHenry Hydrangea Festival out in Douglasville. And we're giving away a couple of tickets to go on the garden tour. They have a big hydrangea garden tour east of Atlanta or excuse me, west of Atlanta. And also there's a lecture given by Tara Dillard, who is a fabulous speaker and one of the co-founders of the American Hydrangea Society here in Atlanta. And so if you'd like to win, just make sure you're free next weekend for the tour as well as the lectures on Saturday. Call me at 404-8720750 or contest line 404-7410750. If you're the second caller, you get the tickets to the tour as well as to hear Tara Dillard. For more information, you can go to PennyMcHenryHydrangeaFestival.com. On the phone, Fran in Canton, Georgia, joins us. Hey, Fran, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I had to have a tree taken down, and there's a hydrangea that's not happy now. Would it hmm. be better to move it now or wait till fall? You know, that's a great question because you have to decide, okay, is it going to be just so miserable in this hot sunshine that it's going to die yeah. on me or look really bad? Or should I dam damage all those roots and dig it up and move it to some other place? If you had a very nice place to move it to, honestly, I think I'd move it. I think that's the better Okay, Yeah, better I do. I have a place that's going to just get filtered sun and... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's very unhappy. It Do, just will. <laughs> does it miserably. have any flowers? Anything? Flowers? No, on it? it's not. No, it hasn't set. Uh, I don't know whether the winter damaged it, but no, it does not have flowers. If it doesn't have flowers, I think my decision would be right. I think moving is going to be a lot better for the plant ultimately. Just dig a nice big wide area, loosen the soil real good. You know how to do this. Plant it in okay. the middle, maybe a, l a little bit of Sure Start or Melorganite or one of the real slow release fertilizers around it. Okay. And should I uh, cut it back at all? How tall is it now? Do you think? I would guess at around four feet. You know, if it's me, I probably would. I'd probably take out and not cut it back in the sense of just shear everything off at two feet. But the tallest, limberest, oldest maybe branches that are in the plant, I would cut those down to about six to maybe 12 inches. So you're reducing size somewhat, but you're leaving some branches on it just in case one of them decides to bloom later in the summer, then you might still have flowers. Where if you, if you shear it, if you take off everything off the top, it probably would not have a chance of flowering. So a few oh, okay. limbs, sure, yeah. here and there. Okay. Okay. That's all I need. I thank you so very much. Thanks for calling. We'll see you soon, friend. Bye. By the way, hydrangeas this year, when I drive... I'm always looking at plants and seeing other people's landscapes and what are going, what's going on in those landscapes. And I have been so impressed by the oak leaf hydrangeas this year. They have been spectacular. Big white cone flowers on them just all over the place. Even the mop head hydrangeas, normal pink and red and, and uh, blue. 
uh, mop head hydrangeas, they've been really, really nice this year. I expected we'd have a lot more damage from the winter this past year. It was so cold back in January. But it doesn't look to me like many of the hydrangeas in my route as I drive around have been damaged at all by the by the winter, winter cold. But the oak leaf hydrangeas, I think, are spectacular. One of the things you might see, check this out, but one of the things you might see is an oak leaf hydrangea that as it fades, as it gets a little less, uh, uh, as it, it gets a little bit older on the plant, sometimes they'll change to a real pretty pinkish red color. They didn't originally start out pinkish red, they started out white, but they fade over time couple of weeks after the peak flowering so look for those red ones i think they're gorgeous too they won't come back red next year you're always going to have a white oak leaf hydrangea but i think those red flowers are really really pretty something to really enjoy this time of year at 658 at news talk wsb we'll be back to more lawn and garden after news